really the message that whoever you're serving under, that they should be hearing from you, that they should always sense from you, I'm with you and I'm for you all the time, even when your humanity emerges. Yeah, right. I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. In every church in America, there are church members who have lots of opinions, uh, people who have ideas about the way the church should be run, uh, that sometimes are frustrated by the vision of a church, uh, sometimes they're disappointed or bitter about the way that the pastor conducts uh, you know, services or determines how the church is going to move forward or, or what leaders should or shouldn't be doing. And, and we know that this just produces uh, an ineffectiveness in the mission itself. Now, what happens when a leader, a church leader, uh, buys into this culture or this way of thinking? What happens when uh, associate pastors or leaders in churches don't support the head pastor the way that they should? And this is the question that we're going to pose today. Uh, what does it look like for leaders in church, uh, ministry leaders and associate pastors alike, to truly support the head pastor, to come alongside them and to help them lead the church uh, in the way that God has envisioned them or called them to do? And so uh, for this conversation, I've invited my dear friend and associate in the ministry, uh, Pastor Kenny Morgan, chair of the foundations department here at the Living Faith Bible Institute and author of the book, uh, Cupbearer. And so with that, I want to welcome Kenny to the show, man. It's good to have you. Thanks. That's a, what an intro. Very yeah. good. I, to the average listener or viewer, <laughs> like, I don't think people understand how difficult and challenging that can be to to nail that in one shot. You got it. So I'm <laughs> Well, in I'm the impressed. early years of the show, it definitely, I wasn't doing that in one shot. I mean, we would do sure. take after take after take and I'd obsess about it. As time has passed, I've just kind of no, I'm I just like, go for it. I'm like, I think we're done. I think you, <laughs> I think you covered everything. <laughs> it's been a while since I've had you on the show. It's been a minute. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Hey, it's oh, it's it's an honor to be back. It's humbling. I mean that. So it's uh, so thanks for having me. I well, hope I can be a blessing. Man, it will be. This book that you just wrote um, is a blessing, and I can't wait to talk about it. Mm. It's so needful. Uh, our students need it. Um, uh, church leaders need it, and so I'm. I'm excited about talking about it. But I want to start by just asking you what it's like to write a book. <laughs> I think, you know, <laughs> you know, in a word, I would say daunting. It feels mm -hmm. daunting, you know, and you, the last thing you want to do is present yourself as, you know, you're the expert. So, right. you know, who are you to write a book? Right. Yeah. So it wasn't that I felt worthy of, well, man, people really need to hear what I have to say mm -hmm. and I need to write my book. But, but so there's a, there's a daunting aspect of it. And then there's a, a burden, burdensome aspect of it where you feel, you feel a great weight, mm -hmm. right? You you want to communicate correctly, you want to communicate clearly, and you you want to be a blessing. You want to glorify God, and, yeah. and your heart is that whoever reads this book is is going to be blessed from it. But but you do you feel a great weight. It, it to me it felt like, you know, 
there wasn't a word or a statement or a cross-reference that was wasted. Like mm. every, I mean, it's not a long read, but but it's, it, it's I would say maybe concentrated. Yeah. Uh, just because it was, if, to me, and maybe it's just me, I'm in the slow lane of authors, <laughs> but but I felt like I examined every every thought, right. every, every statement, so. Yeah, a- and I think writing, I actually think writing a smaller book um, that's effective, succinct and effective mm-hmm. is is actually a, a very challenging thing to do. Uh, people would much rather read uh, a 50 to 100 page book than a 300 page book. And so when you can mm-hmm. produce something that's gonna get it done uh, in less pages, I think more people are willing to pick it, pick it up and, and to, to glean from it. So, um, so well, I'm kind of known as the succinct guy, right? Are you? Like, well, typically in our meetings, I can always tell when we're pressed for time because Sam will ask me to pray. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's true. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm the shortest, you know, <laughs> to the point. Hey, you don't, you, you, don't wa- you don't waste a word in life either. Well, so, um, yeah. so this is the cupbearer, all right? Uh, the title is uh, The Cupbearer, A Guide for Associate Pastors and Church Leaders. And, um, and so the very first thing I want to ask you about is just to explain the title, like why the cup bear, why is this significant? Cause you know, a lot of times authors will write a book and then struggle with the title. Yeah. Uh, I think that's where, where John and I were at when we wrote our book, but for you, the title almost came first, this concept came first. And, and so the title came first, explain that to us, explain why that was so important to you. Yeah. Before I do that, let me just state that I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge, you know, it's been said many times that success is always plural, right? So I might have the title of author of the book, but it was a team. Mm-hmm. You designed the cover, uh, nicely nicely done. Yeah. And then there's a whole editing team and there's an, an admin team to, to make something like this yeah. become reality. So mm-hmm. I'm grateful for the help of a number of folks that, that, that brought us here today, if yeah. you would. Yeah. But to your point, the, the title did come first. And in a very personal way, so I have to take you back to, it was around 2017, and I was devotionally reading through the book of Nehemiah. Mm. Great book, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just, again, we talk about First and Second Samuel a lot from a leadership perspective, right. but the leadership principles in the book of Nehemiah are just as rich and plentiful. Yeah, absolutely. But I was reading through that devotionally, and I got to the end of chapter one, where Nehemiah is is closing his prayer to the God of heaven. I mean, he's got this report on the state of things in Jerusalem. He's heavy, he's burdened, he's praying and fasting and weeping and, and all mm-hmm. that. And at the end of that prayer, he he makes the statement, and I was the king's cupbearer. Mm-hmm. And we all know there are times when we're, we're reading the word of God and the Holy Spirit will arrest us, if mm-hmm. you would, mm-hmm. over a verse, a word, a, a thought, a principle. And it was that for me. I felt in that moment that the Holy Spirit arrested me over that statement, mm. and I didn't fully know why. In you know, at that moment, but but why is the Lord impressing this upon me so heavily? And mm. so, I felt a responsibility to steward that. So I started studying that out. What what does that mean? What is the cupbearer and and all of that? And then it was about two weeks later. Sam, our pastor asked me to breakfast and I I didn't fully know why, I didn't need to know why, but I just figured it was another ministry meeting like mm-hmm. we have and and it was at that meeting that he officially offered for me to come on full time at MBT. Yeah, you were, you were working in the 
you know, secular I was. business world sure. at the time. Yeah. I was. And I was bivocational mm -hmm. and had been for about seven years. Mm. And anyone who's done that, you kind of know you've done it. Mm -hmm. That kind of has a shelf life. And, yeah. and we were kind of getting to the to the end of that. But when when Sam made that offer to me, it was immediate that the Lord brought back to my remembrance that statement, and I was the king's cupbearer. Mm. And then it clicked as to why he gave me that. It was because he wanted me to move forward with this, with that mindset, with that heart attitude, the heart attitude, the mindset of a cupbearer. Mm. And the reason why that was so significant was because this is not my first stint as a full-time associate pastor on staff at a, at a church. Yeah. So I had a stint on Long Island where uh, I was an associate pastor, but I didn't have the heart attitude or the mindset of a cupbearer. Mm. So the Lord wanted to ensure that as I move forward with this new blessing and great endeavor, that I did so with the heart attitude and the mindset of a cupbearer. Yeah. And so when you say that, when you say cupbearer, um, explain historically the significance of that role. What did that mean for Nehemiah? What sure. would it have meant for men uh, in a similar position to sure. him? To give us some insight into into what you're you meant in terms of your heart attitude towards our pastor. Sure. So obviously, I mean, it's it implied in in the in the in the title. You you mm -hmm. get it. So he he was he he bore the king's cup, right? So many times historically, cupbearers would. They would they would taste the wine first to to ensure that it wasn't laced with poison. That was a known assassination tactic, if you would. Mm -hmm. So so they would ensure that the wine was safe for the king to drink. But they would also taste the wine, ensure the quality of it, to mm -hmm. make sure that it was fitting for the king. Mm -hmm. But but the role was was much larger than than just that, mm -hmm. uh, than just being the king's wine man or his wine fetcher. Right. It was a very prominent role. It signified something. It did. Yeah. That he. The cupbearer would, unlike most people, the cupbearer would have had regular access to the king. Mm. I mean, he he would have been in his presence, which was not a light thing. No right. one, you just couldn't walk into the king's presence, right? So he was, he he had access to the king. He was the king's confidant, if yeah. you would. Yeah. So he was a trusted man. Uh, he was the king's advisor. Often historically, they were the CFO for the nation. Uh, they would bear the uh, the signet ring, which mm. which was a ring that exemplified authority and position. So it was a very prominent role. You you could even look at it, I guess today, if you had to compare it to our government, it's kind of like the the vice president, mm. if you would. Mm -hmm. It was a, it was a very very big role. Mm. You were motivated to write this book as in response to the fact that God had done this in your heart. Mm like that there had been this change yeah. and that he had awakened your eyes to something in scripture that you felt would be useful to other to other pastors and other leaders in church. Why do you believe it's so useful? Why, why do you believe it's needful? Why, why this book uh, and and why this audience that you're trying to, to, to reach? Sure. So it's, you know, when God impresses something upon your heart, when God gives you a burden, it, it's there. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's always there. And this burden was born out of a season of what was failure for me. Hmm. You know, and and it wasn't just failure, but but there was a clear 
chastening effect that 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 I experienced in my life mm-hmm. in terms of my failure in my first tenure as an associate pastor. Yeah, and I don't think our listeners are familiar probably with this story. Sure. So it might be worth you rehearsing it and then work your way to to the question, but but yeah. I think it's helpful for us to have the for you to paint the picture for us a little bit. Sure. So a lot of people are going to be familiar with uh, what was the Kansas City Baptist Temple, which mm-hmm. is now Graceway. Mm-hmm. I was led to Christ there, and I was there for a number of years. I got discipled there. I got trained for ministry there, and then a door of opportunity was presented to Lori and I in our first year of marriage for us to go to Long Island and and serve as the discipleship pastor there at a church back in 2003. Mm. And, and so through, uh, you know, talking through that and, and praying through that, um, at the time I felt like it was something that we needed to do. And that decision looks, you know, it looks a little different looking back now, just looking at just the, the counsel that I received from those who were over me in the Lord. And not that, and that at the time would have been directly Alan Shelby and Sam Miles. Mm-hmm. Neither said I couldn't go. It's just that I, I think both men wanted me to wait mm-hmm. and I chose not to do that. So I chose to move ahead and, and relocate my wife and I during our first year of marriage to Long Island and, and start to finish, we were there for seven years, uh, which is why I still say words like coffee and <laughs> certain certain words yeah. I just can't. Forget about forget it. Forget it or forget about <laughs> it. It's just, it's natural. It's right. the way I express myself. Yeah. Uh, it got in my bloodstream, as they say. Yeah, your, your taste in pizza is very picky. Yes, I'm particular about pizza. Yeah, we can't just order any pizza around no, here. No, you know? so no, no. We appreciate, we appreciate that about you. Sure. Yeah. I'm yeah. your man. Yeah. <laughs> Succinct and food. Yeah, I, that's I, right. I can deliver. But... <laughs> But when I got there, I, you know, I over, I began to realize that, you know, it, we were different, you know, mm-hmm. we, we were, we were different and, and it didn't necessarily mean that different was right or wrong. It was just different. He was different from the pastors that I had been trained under and developed under, uh, the ministry looked different to him in, in some ways and, and his expectations of me were different from what they were for me in Kansas City mm-hmm. in terms of what an associate pastor looked like. And 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 I struggled. Yeah. I I, I began to struggle and that increased and and that struggle turned into bitterness and resentment, which led to uh, moments of where I just wasn't subordinate. Mm. I was I was disrespectful. Uh, I was difficult to lead. Um, I would undermine his authority to others. Mm. Um, I didn't handle conversations as well as I needed to handle them. When people would come to me with issues about him, I would kind of add fuel to that and and get that fire burning even more. And it grieved the Lord. Mm-hmm. And and I I just I where one of the one of the areas that I failed in was I I really didn't understand the premium that God places on spiritual authority. I just I didn't get that. Mm. I didn't. And uh, unlike David, right? And I, and I'm not saying the guy I was under was Saul. I'm not saying that right. at all. I'm just right. saying, but but even David, who it would have been very difficult for him to behave wisely like he did. Yeah, he had reasons to be frustrated. <laughs> yes. Right? 
but chose to submit and to respect. Yeah. I didn't do that. Mm. I, I felt that, that my frustrations and my resentments entitled me to do the things that I did. And so it ended very poorly, you know, and, and it ended very painfully for, for me and, and Lori, very mm-hmm. painfully and, and painfully for, for him as well. It, it, it was a very hurtful departure. Praise the Lord. That's been reconciled since, but, but it did lead to uh, about a two and a half year um, process, if you would, of God dealing with me mm-hmm. and bringing me through that and ultimately bringing me to Nehemiah chapter one, verse 11, and I was the king's cupbearer. Mm. And so it, it's been something that it, as I have moved forward since 2017 here as an associate pastor, it's just there. You know, one of the things that we, we can identify in scripture is, you know, with 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 Jacob in the Old Testament, with him wrestling with God, and yeah. and at the end of that, he walks away with a limp, mm-hmm. right? And so, as far as we know, for the rest of his life, that's how he walked, right? And so, this was that for me, mm-hmm. was particularly those two and a half years of God dealing with me and preparing me for the role that I'm in now. I have that limp, yeah. And so, and we'll talk more about this, I'm sure, but so. Not if, but when there are times when in my flesh I am tempted to repeat aspects of the failure of my first tenure, mm. that limp reminds me yeah. of you don't want to do that. You know, one of the things I really appreciate about this story and about you, Kenny, is how transparent you are about something that most guys would, first of all, struggle to be critical about, right? Like... um, I think it would be easy with a really bad experience. This is the way it works, you know, most of the time for, for folks when they move from one job to the next mm-hmm. or, or they make decisions about their life, they look back and then they, they kind of gloss over mistakes and they dismiss them. And the thing that I really appreciate is that you're very open about the mistakes that you've made, which is, I think, why God is allowing you to to write a book like this. This is this is why you got permission to write this book is because you're open enough to say these are the mistakes and these are this is how you learn from those mistakes. Right. It's one of the things I love about Jonah and the idea that Jonah wrote Jonah, mm-hmm. right? Like that the traditional view is that Jonah wrote the book of Jonah and it it ends just I mean the whole book is very would be very self-critical and it ends on a very self-critical note. The beauty is that you have the opportunity to show that God's redeemed that. Yes. And you, uh, the book itself gives us guidelines, scriptural guidelines for what it means to really truly be supportive, to be that confidant, to be that cupbearer to a head pastor and to stand alongside them. It's a book for right hands, uh, people who, who are the right hand to another leader. Yes. And, and so I, I would like to, to kind of investigate some of the stuff, stuff in the book and I want to begin by asking just the question, like, what are some of the challenge that, challenges that come with serving under a lead pastor? And how does the cupbearer provide guidance in, in dealing with those things? It's a unique position to be in. It is. Because you are a leader, right? but you're a leader under a leader. Correct. You're, you're a middleman. Yes. And, uh, yeah. and that can be um, difficult to be in the middle, right? It difficult can be, as it yeah. concerns your view of, 
of the leaders ahead of you, but then also those behind you as well. And uh, it's really very, very important role. So maybe you can explain some of those challenges. I, you know, I think, I think there's ultimately one big challenge and from that challenge are born other challenges. Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest challenge is just pride. Mm. I, I think in the flesh, the flesh is far more interested in being the king, mm -hmm. not being the king's cupbearer. Mm -hmm. And so there are those moments when, and this was this was my issue on Long Island, and and I still face it here in Kansas City under Sam. Those moments when, you know, the king or the pastor is saying, "We're going to make a right turn here," and I believe deeply we need to make a left turn here. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't. I don't see that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't understand it. I don't agree with it. And so in my flesh, I'm tempted to to fight that. Mm -hmm. And 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 here we go. It's not that it's a wrong, it's not that it's a it's a it's a sinful decision. We're not making a right turn into sin. It's not that. It's just that I would do it differently. Yeah. It's a matter of opinion. It's a matter of opinion. It's on the surface. It's subjective. It feels subjective. Right. And you subjectively think. Well, this would be a be this would have better outcomes if we went this way. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and so we're not only are we making a right turn, but he's not asking me if mm -hmm. we should make a right turn. Mm -hmm. I sure wish he would ask me if we should make a left turn, mm -hmm. because if he does, I'm his man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and so I think, you know, as I was taught years ago, and I agree with it, there's only one person who sees everything the way that you do, and it's you. Mm -hmm. And so to try to go through life and make everybody see everything the way that you see it, you're just going to lose your mind. Mm -hmm. But I, I struggle with that greatly on Long Island. I mean, to the point where we're making a right turn here. I'm about to lose my mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, you were coming into a situation where everybody th thought about ministry different than you did. Yes. But even in the context that you're in now, where the ministry philosophy is the same, exactly, uh, the, uh, the desires and the objectives are the same, you share those things. 95% of the time you're in complete agreement. Yes. It's funny how pronounced that 5% oh, yeah. can be sure. and how it can eat at you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, and in the flesh, you're tempted to uh, take it personal. Mm -hmm. You're tempted to feel slighted or, you know, not valued, not heard, all of that. And so you're always going to have to work through that. And, it, but what it does is here we go it kind of gives me a perspective of what my wife has to deal with. Yeah, right. <laughs> I would imagine there are times where I'm making a right turn and she's thinking, I think we need to go left here. Mm -hmm. And I'm not asking her what she thinks or whatever it might be. And so so I would say the, the biggest challenge is is pride. And, and I think from there, I think some things that God has helped me with, you know, since Long Island and being here and, and embracing this heart attitude and this mindset is is learning how to to trust God in prayer in those moments. So it's been amazing. Anytime I've struggled or wrestled with something that Sam is is doing, not that it's sin or wrong, again, mm -hmm. just different. I, I don't understand the decision fully. And to your point, we're talking, these are rare instances. Right. We're not talking about this is happening weekly yeah, or not monthly, daily, anything like that. Yeah. But just to go to the Lord in prayer. Mm-hmm. And but but not to not to do so in an arrogant fashion, believing that just because it's different, I'm right. Mm -hmm. But no, Lord, maybe I'm missing something. Yeah. But but if if there's something that you would have me to 
share with Sam, would you give me an opportunity? Would you let me know right. when that's okay? And then from there, uh, Lord, would you give me the 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 tone and and the words to use? Because I never want Sam to feel like he needs to remind me that he's over me in the Lord. I just, mm-hmm. I never want that. So, so I want to be very careful. And anytime I've done that, God has always been faithful to provide a very natural opportunity for Sam and I to have a discussion mm-hmm. where it's just that. Yeah. It's a discussion. It's not even a disagreement. It's my approach is always I'm seeking to understand. Mm-hmm. So I understand that we're we're moving in this direction and and I want you to know you have my full support but but I would I would like to for you to help me understand a little bit more about maybe this or that right I've heard th- you know aspects of this but there are just some blanks that maybe right. you could help me to fill yeah. in but yeah. but it, but it's very clear to him that what's happening in the moment is there's an issue that I would like to address but I'm not attacking him mm-hmm. I, I wasn't there on Long Island. It, that, mm-hmm. Those kind of conversations were not had that way. Right. He felt attacked. He felt disrespected. He felt put down. Uh, because in my mind, because I'm right, mm-hmm. that entitles me to cross these lines and address you as if I'm actually over you in those mm-hmm. moments. So, mm-hmm. so that's that's I would say that's the biggest challenge. Is just, I mean, submission is is not the flesh doesn't wake up and go, yay, let's yeah. submit. You know, yeah. So. I think there's a really interesting thing that you addressed there about tone and the way in which you communicate that I think is really helpful for us to to listen to more about this and, and hear more about this. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of times um, it's completely okay, I, I think biblically and spiritually speaking, to disagree in your heart, um, but then be obedient outwardly, right? right. So wrestling with something in your inner man, but then also choosing to function principally as it regards the person you're engaging with. In this case, your head pastor, Mm -hmm. your leader in in the Lord. And so how do you approach tone? How do you approach the way that you use words? Uh, What are some things that you need to do when you're communicating to ensure that even if you are wrestling with something in your heart, that the words that you express truly reflect how you feel and understand um, that the Lord is at work in, in the midst of that? That's, that's a really, really good question. And I think it speaks to where we find ourselves at times mm-hmm. in, in this role, or even if you're not an associate pastor, you're working under a pastor, you're going to find yourself in this role. Oh, yeah. But one of the things that that came out of the burden that God gave me about the cupbearer was being premeditated. So by God's grace for his glory, I made a decision when God gave me the burden of the cupbearer, I made a decision that I would never war with Sam. It's just not an option. Mm -hmm. I will not do it. Even if he's dead wrong and it's blatant that he is, Mm -hmm. I will not war with him. So as it's been said many times, one big decision takes care of a lot of little decisions. Mm -hmm. So when we're in those moments, when I'm working through what you just described, well, the decision's already been made Mm -hmm. that I'm not going to war with him. 
So because that decision has been made, that now informs my tone of speech and my choice of words. Right. It's coming from a place that says, well, and so here, here's here's one thing that that's helped me too. And I, I've, I've had to learn this the hard way, not just on Long Island, but I've also learned it and I continue to learn it in marriage. Mm. And that is when, if, if I know that I'm emotional, that's the time to study, to be quiet. Yeah. It's if I'm emotional, I don't need to say anything. Mm -hmm. It's I'm going to regret that mm -hmm. for sure. So as rare as it, it's been here, if I've ever been in a situation where I, I was emotional, where I, I knew that maybe if I say something here, it might come across as disrespectful or challenging. Right. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna zip it. I'm mm -hmm. not gonna say anything. So that's where I'm gonna go and I'm gonna get with the Lord and, we're, and mm -hmm. I'm gonna give it to him. And then in God's time and in God's way, God will now give me an opportunity to address that with Sam, and that's going to always be in private. Yeah. But again, it's it it's just going to be in a way where, as far as Sam is concerned, we're just having a conversation. He mm -hmm. he doesn't know. I've, yeah. But I've dealt, I've given that to the Lord, so I'm not angry. I'm not hurt. But but just looking to have a clarifying conversation. You know what's what's interesting is you're talking about this. Um, it makes me kind of recollect. So you know, I spent ten years in the classroom. It was me and the students. Uh, I was the boss day to day, you know, from 7 a.m. To, to 3 in the afternoon. Yeah, That was my classroom. And, and very few people, including the principal, ever came into the room, ever had much to say. They trusted me. They hired me. Um, I set the objectives for the day, uh, for the week, the year, and I got it done. Right. And, uh, you know, when I came onto staff, um, one of the things that I, I learned almost immediately, um, you had already been here a few years when I came mm -hmm. full time on the staff, was um, I could see, I know, I've known you long enough to know when you're grappling with something. Like I could see it in your <laughs> eyes. Like, so something would come up in a meeting sure. and, and I would know just cause we're friends that you disagree. But then just f watching how you choose silence mm. was huge for me mm. because it taught me that what, exactly what you're talking about, that this is gonna require some processing. This is gonna require some time before the Lord mm. Uh, this is going to, maybe the, the outcome is forbearance. You know, maybe I, I walk away and I'm silent before the Lord and he says, forbear it. Or maybe he says, okay, go engage, but this is the way I want you to do it. Um, but, but watching you work through that was really beneficial for me. And it, uh, it allowed me to kind of make that transition from a world where I got to have opinions. Mm -hmm. I got to speak my mind. Sure. I got to 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 make the decisions without a whole lot of uh, feedback into a situation where almost everything I do is subject to someone else. Sure. Almost every decision I make now impacts as a ripple effect on everyone and it cannot I cannot make decisions that subvert the overall agenda of the church. And right. so it's a, it was a dance. Mm -hmm. And I think it's been really good to, to just observe you um, choosing to remain silent when in a moment of emotion, you know? I, I think it's very critical though, to, to state that we're not advocating suppression. Right. You, if, if, if there is something on your heart that you're grappling with, yeah. it, you do need to work through it. Yeah. There's, and, and at the end of the day, if we're gonna make a right turn, 
I want to make that right turn. I'm with you. Yeah. It's not that we're making the right turn and I'm just the whole time thinking, I just want you to know we, I'm, I'm following you. And, I, and, and this is just a word for those who, you know, for those of us who are under someone, whoever you're under, they do not appreciate um, when you're following. I'm following on the outside, but I'm rebelling on the inside. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's, yeah. We're making a right turn, but I just want you to know. I'm going to do it, but I still think we should have made a left turn. Sure. I think a lot of times in ministry, the, the, the code language would be like, well, I can, I can support that. Right. Where really what we need to be staying is, saying is I can stand with that. Yes. Like I will stand with you in that. Yes. So in other words, it isn't just like I can hold my nose. Right. <laughs> right. right? Um, yeah. I don't agree with you. I'll hold my nose and I'll go along to get along. Right. Uh, what you're saying is I've come to a place where I can reckon that before the Lord and I can stand with you. Even if I would have made the decision differently, right. I have a trust in you. I wouldn't have come on staff. I wouldn't have chosen this church. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have chosen this ministry. I wouldn't have gone this way unless I would have first determined that I trust this man. Right. Like, like he's a person that I trust. Yes. And so even if I would have made the decision differently, I chose, like you said before, a long time ago to stand with this guy. Yes. And so I'm going to yes. in this moment. I, I'm not... I can, I can support you. I'm not going to say that. Right. I'm going to stand with you. Absolutely. And and so now that we've made this right turn, if if I have the heart attitude and the mindset of a cupbearer, I'm not thinking about the left turn anymore. Mm -hmm. All I'm thinking about now is how can I help you as we're moving forward in this direction. Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about well, I didn't get my way, and I think it should have yeah. been this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no, this is why I'm here. I am here to help you. Yes. And so whatever that looks like, I'm all in, mm -hmm. to your point. Mm -hmm. Let's take a moment right here to hear from Pastor Mike Renault of Living Faith Boston. Hi, I'm Mike Renault, pastor at Living Faith in Boston, Massachusetts. And if you're considering learning the Word of God, Living Faith Bible Institute would be a good place for you. The good thing about LFBI is that you're not just learning from an academic standpoint. You're learning from actual practitioners that do in fact know the book. These are pastors and men who are leading churches, doing the work themselves, and so they can give you a firsthand real life knowledge of what it means to learn the Bible in that context. Some of you may have a call in your life for the pastorate. Uh, to be a missionary, to serve the Lord in other parts of the world. Living Faith Bible Institute can prepare you in a way that you can be equipped with the Word of God and given practical tools, being held accountable in your ministry right where you're at. If you're interested in learning more or you want to enroll in LFBI, go to lfbi.org. Now, one of the things that you bring up in the book that I think is relevant is that a lot of men struggle with this idea of being a yes man. And rightfully so, because um, a yes man is, uh, I think we just hate like yeah. brown nosers right. in, in our sure. world. Like Absolutely. we just hate, like the guy that that is just always complicit, is always subjective, has no real thoughts of his own, and no one wants to be that guy. Right. Um, because we like to think, well, God's put me in this position to lead, actually to provide insight, to, to, to take 
my perspective and bring it alongside and to complement what's happening. And so if I get relegated to just being the guy that's always like, yes, sir, yes, sir, mm-hmm. yes, sir. Um, there's no life in that. Sure. The free will dies. Like yeah. the soulish part of you that, that desires to do ministry can die in that. And so we are really afraid of the idea of being a yes man. Explain the difference between being that yes man who is just kind of mm-hmm. always uh, not just yielded, but just yeah. you know empty versus a cupbearer who is yielded in a way that's spirit-driven. Yeah. So let me just say, I, I think before addressing that, yeah. I, I think it's important to, to, to make this statement. I think unless someone has a healthy biblical understanding of spiritual authority, they'll never be able to see the role of the cupbearer properly. Mm. If you don't understand spiritual authority and the premium that God places on it, you will be tempted to view the role of cupbearer as a yes man. Mm. That's how you're gonna, you Mm -hmm. can't see it any other way unless you see spiritual authority properly. Mm -hmm. And so I think you've got episodes of, of, the premium God places on that. One of the right. clearest places is in Numbers 12 with, with Miriam and Aaron, when they're you know murmuring against Moses for marrying the Ethiopian woman. And and, and it, the Bible tells us, and the Lord heard it. And of mm-hmm. course he comes down and mm-hmm. and judges it. Right. I mean, it's just, hey, don't you know who Moses is? Sort, right. sort of thing. Be careful, watch your, your tongue. But, but I would say our pastor, Sam, your pastor, I'm a pastor, None of us want a yes man. No. Yes men, if you look at that, if you look at yes men in scripture, it, it's not good. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> they're, uh, they're, they're not honest men. They're not people of integrity, right? And any pastor who's worth his salt is not going to want that. Yeah. Sam doesn't want a yes man any more than you do. Right. Someone who's just fawning all over yeah. you and and flattering you with these, you know, lofty words when, or buttering you up, as they say, when you know that, you know, I wonder if he's doing the same thing with somebody else, telling him that they're the greatest thing he's ever yeah, heard or right. seen, that sort yeah. of thing. You, you don't want that. If, if it, you can you can smell dishonesty. You can, it. yeah. it's, it's disingenuous, yeah. right? So so it's, it's not that to your point that a, a yes man is, or, or a cupbearer is a bobblehead, where mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever right. you say. It, it, because there there are going to be moments when, and I can think of one where you know once Sam, he was he was asking about uh, a sermon that he had preached and and he was circling back and and he wanted to know if if at one point I felt that something that he said was um, maybe of course it would have been unintended, but but it, could it have been found to be hurtful by some mm-hmm. as much as he didn't right. intend to do that. Right. And so that was a moment of, well, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Right. And and so it's it's not that the cupbearer can't be truthful. Right. It's that he can't be disrespectful. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. Right. And in that moment, it wasn't that I, I, because that, you know, for Sam, that's a, that's a vulnerable moment. Oh, sure. I mean, as pastors, to ask for feedback like that. Absolutely, yeah. you know, faith while the wounds of a friend. If mm-hmm. if you're asking me a question like that, you're kind of giving me permission to wound you, if that's where the conversation or the answer goes, right? right? So, so in that moment, 
it, it wasn't that I just came out and said, yeah, man, that was awful. What were yeah, you thinking? Right. You know? I would have never done that. Yeah. <laughs> like, let me just tell you, don't ever say that again. Yeah, like, right. It, it wasn't that. It, it was, again, I think, so one of the things we talk about in the book in terms of the role of, of the cupbearers, you are an advisor. Mm-hmm. So part of what you're doing at times, we do it. Mm-hmm. We advise Sam. Right. You know, right. Sam's working through making a big decision. Maybe it's buying a building or whatever it is. He's going to hear from all of us, right. Right? right? So in that moment, it was it was an opportunity for me to fulfill one of my mm-hmm. roles, same role that you have. And by the way, I don't feel like I'm the cup bearer in BT. Mm-hmm. I'm a cup bearer in BT. Mm-hmm. We're all that for mm-hmm. Sam, right? But but my response initially was, well, Sam, have you heard any feedback that would say that someone was hurt by that particular mm-hmm. point in the message? And then from there, we're we're able to get what I want to do is I want to have a conversation. Yeah. And I want to help him think and work through that. I'm not there to necessarily say that, yeah, mm-hmm. I was, it's, it's not about me. It's about I'm here to help you. And I want to do that as well as I can. Yeah. I think one of the things that you, you hit on this and, and, and I want to circle back for just a moment. Because I want to address something, and we, we talk about it in the book, but but it's this thing that says, you know, I'll submit and I'll, I'll follow the pastor until he says something that is off kilter, or it's not mm-hmm. biblical, and then after that, I'm going to let him know. Well, I, well now, are you holding him to a, a bar of perfection? Right. He, he can't ever slip. He right. can't ever... And the moment that he does, you're standing there with a pitchfork ready to right. give it to him. How yeah. dare you not right. say something just right? It's like, no, he's flesh. He's yeah. just like you. Yeah, people don't, people really struggle with the humanity of a pastor. Yes. Because, and you know, people are picky. Yeah. And I don't actually blame them. Like they should be. Like if, if you're at a church where the, the congregants, the, the laity are subordinate in every aspect to the thoughts and, and intentions and will of the pastor, then that's an abusive shepherd. Of course. And you have the ability to leave, leave that setting. You, can, you, can find, you have the choice to find another church where the pastor is a shepherd that engages the, the, the flock mm-hmm. with gentleness and love and meekness. But I think people are so afraid of who the pastor really is, mm-hmm. right? They have all these ideas in their mind that they a lot of times project. And so they take, a lot of people take a defensive approach. And so if the pastor says one thing that they disagree with, then it, then they murmur. Yes, um, That's the most common thing. They murmur or they, they instantly decide that they want to leave. Right. And so they have all of these personal preference that are extra biblical mm-hmm. and are not actually are just not a biblical view right. of, of pe- human beings in general. Right. And they, they put that on the pastor and, and it's impossible to live up to. Right. The same thing happens the more you get in, in kind of the inner circle, right? right? Um, except for the way you respond becomes that much more consequential. It does. You know, like you can, you can expect perfection from the guy that you work for. And, um, and then when you don't get it, it can hurt. Mm-hmm. It can hurt. But that's not his problem. That's actually yours. Right. <laughs> that's right. your problem. That's because yeah. there's something the matter with your expectations. Mm-hmm. But I think that's where the cupbearer has to be. And I think this is where the cupbearer really shines 
for the glory of God and for the benefit of the pastor is he never loses sight of the pastor's humanity. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, the pastor has room and permission to be human. Mm -hmm. And so Sam doesn't walk on water. He can't. Mm-hmm. Like he's just like me, he's flesh. And one of the things about Sam I'm so grateful for is his graciousness. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yeah. Sam is so gracious. I mean, you talk about a guy who it, it, Sam just, it, he's going to give you everything you need to, to thrive mm-hmm. and to succeed in what God's giving you to do. And, and he's going to give you a ton of room to fail. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's yeah. just Sam. Yeah. Okay. Well then who am I Right. to not reciprocate yeah. that? Yeah. To extend the same grace. The expectations that are placed on him by so many people are not only unfair, but unrealistic. Mm-hmm. The average person believes that he has unlimited amounts of time, that every time they see Sam, he's got 15 minutes for them. Mm-hmm. The average person thinks he's a walking Bible commentary. Mm-hmm. There's no question in the word of God that he can't handle on the spot every mm-hmm. time. Like it's right. just, it's almost like, do you, who do you think he is? Yeah. He, he's not the Lord. right? And so I want to be a presence where Sam feels safe um, and he feels refreshed, Mm -hmm. right? Is it Onesiphorus where it says he oft refreshed me, Paul said? Yeah. That's my heart. I want to be that for Sam where hopefully my presence is refreshing to him. Yeah. I think the, the illustration you use in the book is that it's like when a basketball player comes off the court and he's thirsty. Clearly, yes. he's been running for 15 minutes. Um, it's that cup of water, yes. that refreshment. And it also goes back to like what we talked about with with David and his mighty men, yes. right? You know, if I could just drink of the well of Bethlehem. And then here they are. They gave their life to make sure that, that their leader was refreshed. There's a spirit in that yes. that's unique. Yes. And that's the spirit that you're trying to capture Absolutely. by describing the cupbearer. You, you nailed it. That, that's who I want to be. Mm-hmm. Those men who were with David in that cave at a very critical hour, mm-hmm. you know, and they had the opportunity to refresh him. Yeah. Let, let that be me. Yeah. You, you, in the book, you devote a lot of time to the role of a cupbearer. Uh, you've already mentioned uh, some of that, you know, the idea of being an advisor. Correct. Maybe you could hit us with just a couple more of those traits that a, a cupbearer should be. What, what, what should he be um, to, to his pastor and, um, and help us to better understand what we're getting into. If we, if we get the book, sure. you know, what is it going to yeah. provide us with? Yeah. So we talked about the advisor. Another one is you are an ally, mm-hmm. you know, and um, an ally is someone who's with you. And, I, and, and that needs to be the message. I always want Sam to hear that message from me. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I am always with you. And one of the guys that we spend some time on in the book is Jonathan, mm. you know, and, and, and being an, an ally with David. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm with you. Yeah. Even though my father is against you and mm-hmm. wants me to actually kill you, mm-hmm. I'm with you. And, and I think the turf that the pastorate is served on at times is it's very intense at times it's very discouraging it's very hard you're you're going to you're going to be betrayed you're going to be misrepresented you're going to be slandered 
there are going to be times when it feels like the whole world is against you, including the church. Mm-hmm. And I want to be that guy. I think a I think a cupbearer is that person who says, although everybody's against you, like those men with David in the cave that day, I'm mm-hmm. with you. Yeah. I'm with you. So an ally, another role is an advocate. So an ally is someone who is with you. An advocate is someone who's for you. Mm-hmm. And so as a cupbearer, you're for him. And, and that's really the message that whoever you're serving under, that they should be hearing from you, that they should always sense from you, I'm with you and I'm for you all the time. Even when your humanity emerges. Yeah, right. I'm still with you and I'm yeah. for you just because I've detected or I've witnessed some a, a carnal moment. It 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 doesn't buy my 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 devotion to you mm-hmm. as an ally and an mm-hmm. advocate. I'm still for you. I mean, the Lord is our advocate. Is he not Now, he's not for sin in our lives, but because of who we are in him, he's always for us. Yeah. Right. And so, and that's where now you, you, I'll I'll say this as an associate pastor or whoever you are, if you're, if you're under a leader that you're following in ministry, if you're not growing in grace, you can't hold this role. Yeah. You won't have this hard attitude, this mindset. So you've got to be growing in grace. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing that, that gives you capacity now to manage this humanity when it does emerge Mm -hmm. and it doesn't it doesn't compromise your role as ally, as advocate, as yeah. advisor. Yeah. yeah. And I think also it's important to note that, that there are things that pastors have done and will do that disqualify them. Of course. And that's a whole nother that's conversation. A, absolutely. Right? Which like, we talk about in the book. Yeah. 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 So, um, but, but, but what is important is to recognize that, that failure and even sin is a reality that you're going to face with your pastor. And I think another thing that, that you, um, you've hinted at, you've implied in what you're saying is that I think what the head pastor wants to see is the same thing happening among the leaders. And so, so me being your ally, me being your advisor, me being your advocate and vice versa is just as important to things functioning well and functioning in, in the grace and blessing of the Lord as it would be if we were doing it unto our pastor, our head pastor himself. Correct. He wants to see his cupbearers getting along. Yeah. Because if his advisors are at odds all the time, um, then that only prevents him from achieving the objectives that God's given him. That's heavy. And, and I know that is very true in our environment. It means as much to Sam for us to be that for one another mm-hmm. as it does for us to be that for him. Mm-hmm. Because in his mind, if if we aren't getting along, if we aren't those things for one another, how could he not think at some point, when does that become our reality? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? If if you're warring with your, your co-labor over here over that, yeah. when it's very possible that I've done that same thing or might do it, mm-hmm. How are you going to deal with me? Are you still going to be an ally, an advocate? Are you right. still going to be that guy? Mm-hmm. So it's very, very important. And 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 it's, I mean, it, look at the disciples. <laughs> you know, they oh, know. they had their moments. Yeah. And so yeah, it's it's so critical to to have this this hard attitude, this mindset. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so I'm, I'm really excited for people to pick the book up. It's very affordable. Uh, it's available on our website. Uh, again, the cupbearer, um, a guidebook for associate pastors and church leaders. Um, very excited about the, the, the opportunity that our growing leaders can have by, by reading and learning from the book. But do you mind by, by closing, by simply, simply explaining to us what it is that you want the book to achieve? What do you want it to produce? Like if you were to imagine uh, growing leaders reading this book, yeah. what would the outcomes um, that you're praying for be? I think first, I think the the tone and the content in the book is such that it, it, it's things that a senior pastor probably wants to say but can't say. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can say it. Obviously, they're a senior pastor. They can say anything they want to say. But I think if a senior pastor wrote the book, it may come across self-serving. Yeah. So I, I do want it to be a blessing to senior pastors, mm-hmm. to associate pastors, and to those who are leading in the church under a lead pastor or associate pastor. I, I, I want them to, to, first of all, I want them to, to, to grab the, uh, the essence of, of why they're there. Mm why you why you're here why did god place you next to this man that 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 is leading you or who's leading yeah, you yeah which is good because i think we all like to think of ourselves as a gift yes but what kind of gift exactly. are you going to be yeah, yeah. are you going to are you going to get your stuff done or right. are you going to get the stuff done of the of the pastor that that oversees you that's it yeah. you're there to help him mm-hmm. so so what you want to do, what your preoccupation should be all the time is how can I help you? Mm-hmm. How can I be a blessing? So one of the things that a cupbearer does is a cupbearer, they constantly study the guy that they're following to the point where they can anticipate what he needs. So mm-hmm. he shouldn't have to even ask. Mm-hmm. And because they're studying him, they begin to do things out of anticipation, knowing that he's going to need that. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and take care of that. I shouldn't have to even ask, mm. right? Um, so you're always doing that. And so again, when you're thinking that way, guess what you're not going to do? You're not going to war with them mm-hmm. because you're always thinking about how you can help him. I think one of the things that if a guy is not careful, if he doesn't have this hard attitude, if he doesn't get spiritual authority, then now the guy that he's following becomes someone that he's identified as I'm going to use him to get where I need to go. Mm. So I've got some agenda. I've got some direction. I want to go in ministry. I, I've, I've got things to do. I've got big fish to fry. And I just need him to give me that stamp of approval. Mm. And so helping him now becomes um, in scope very advantageous. Mm. So I'm only looking for opportunities where I get to shine. Yeah. And what you'll see a lot of times with associate pastors, when it comes to helping the lead pastor, it's uh, how often do you need me to fill the pulpit? Mm. Yeah. Let, let me know how I can help you there. Yeah. Give me the mic. How often do you need me to teach? That's what you need from me, right? Just you need me to help you teach the word, mm. right? That might be an aspect of how you can help him. But I promise you, as a cupbearer, that won't be the only one. Mm-mm. There are going to be a number of avenues that God's going to give a cupbearer to help whoever they're following that, be honest with you, 
the majority of it will be behind the curtain. Yeah. That people will never know, will never see. And that's where now, if you don't have the right heart attitude, you're not going to be okay with that because again, you've got somewhere to go, somewhere to be, and it's very public. Mm-hmm. And so, and so for those who read the book, I want them to walk away with that heart attitude because at the end of the day, I hear one of the things that scares me about ministry leaders, okay, or ministry leadership is when people advance in ministry and they're not humble. Mm. Because one of the things that that God has taught me, and I study a guy like Joab, we talk about a guy like Joab a lot, yeah. right? And he's an example of someone, he wasn't a cupbearer, <laughs> anything, yeah. but, but the thing I've learned is that a, a guy is only going to go as far in ministry as his humility is gonna take him. Mm-hmm. Right. So when a guy gets to a certain leadership platform and he's not humble, he now becomes a leader, not a servant leader. Mm-hmm. If he's not humble, that's scary. Mm-hmm. Right. And so one of the things that that God shows me and gives me opportunities to do with Sam is to serve him in ways that no one ever sees or knows. Yeah. It could be something so trivial and so small, but in that moment, it saves him three or four seconds or five minutes mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. And to do that with joy yeah. and thankfulness. And so and so I want, I, I ultimately, I want this to be a blessing to local churches. Yeah. Because if you can get associate pastors and lead pastors to work very well together, where you've got associate pastors who are cupbearers, well, think about the blessing that's going to be to the church right because the associate pastors aren't busy fighting with the lead pastor because they're too busy serving and helping him yeah. shepherd and lead God's flock right so I, I I want people to read it and walk away with a conviction to say for God's glory for the edification of my local church and my pastor I want to be a cupbearer yeah that's great Kenny um, I think that the book achieves that. Um, I'm grateful for it. I'm glad that Living Faith Books produced it. I'm glad that you wrote it. And I'm grateful for the time that you spent with us today sharing from your heart, really, uh, the, the, the way in which this, this book came to be, essentially, the origin story behind the book. And uh, it was very revealing and helpful, and it helps us bring application to, to the topic. And so I want to really thank you for being with us today on the show. Thanks for having me. And again, thanks for your help to yeah, of course. bring it to pass. Absolutely. Yeah. And we want to thank you for joining us for another episode of The Postscript. The joy of the show is um, being able to share our professors with you, um, our pastors with you, pastors from the fellowship, pastors from the Bible Institute, who've given their lives to developing leaders just, just like you, uh, the listener. And so we want to invite you to check out the book uh, or any of the books, uh, The Cupbearer, as well as the entire lineup of books that Living Faith Books has to offer. There's so much there uh, on a wide range of topics and and biblical ideas and ministry ideas. But even more than that, we want to invite you to join us in LFBI. Uh, We have classes that deal with leadership development, what the Bible has to say about servant leadership. We've got classes uh, that want to instill in you biblical truths. We want to teach you the word of God. We want to prepare you for the work of the ministry. And we want to see you deployed in your local church to serve the Lord at the greatest capacity that that you can possibly do that. And so that's our prayer. uh, And that's the heart of the show. And so we want to thank you again for being with us today. We love you and we 
can't wait to spend more time with you next week on another episode of The Postscript. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Postscript. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.